This is New York firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Every day, a part of every sub you buy at Firehouse Subs helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. And now, for a limited time, they're introducing the Daily Sub Special. Every day, get a medium sub of the day for just $5.55. They kick it off with Meatball Monday and finish it off with Italian Sunday with something delicious every day in between for just $5.55. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Tap the banner now to learn more. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to the W2M Network for the Wrestling to the Max Smackdown live review for... January 30th, 2018. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Good evening or afternoon whenever you are listening to this, everyone. Unfortunately, if you can't tell, I am a little under the weather today. So we're going to be doing this kind of quick and dirty, Brandon. Yep, it's the super flu. I I may or may not be here next week. It It depends what happens. If y'all don't hear from me, you know something happened and Brandon staged a coup in order to take over the show. (laughs) He is Brandon Biscoping. He is now officially the third member of the SmackDown Live 205 Live team. Unfortunately, Liz is battling pneumonia, so she will not be with us this week. Hopefully, we will have her back next week. You need to get healthy because you guys have been sick for months now. It's this freaking weather, man. I went from like 50 degrees yesterday down to a high of like 20 today. (laughs) Well, you're in, uh, what, eastern Ohio or western New York? What do you expect? Northeastern Ohio. Okay, northeastern Ohio. That's what I thought. So, yeah, what do you expect? I'm about an hour outside of Stake on the Lake, otherwise known as Cleveland. Exactly. It's it's the winter by Cleveland. It's going to be cold. It's not the problem. The problem is that it gets warm and then it gets cold again and just makes it miserable for everyone. Anyway, what do you say we get into tonight's episode of SmackDown? Let's do it. Normally, after a pay-per-view, I'd start one of these shows off with a discussion about the pay-per-view itself. But if you want to hear my and Brandon's thoughts about the pay-per-view, Brandon, where can they go? We already did it. (laughs) Well, tell them where they can find it. They can find it on Wrestling to the Max, W2M.net. Um, yeah, we did. Okay, this, is why I don't leave, this is why I don't leave the plugs to you. W2Mnet.com. Oh, right. Sorry. W2Mnet.com. Um, and by yeah. searching it. And is searching the same places you might be listening to this podcast. Stitcher, iTunes, Spreaker. Um, who knows where else it is. Yeah, uh, we, we did a... Uh, we did a quick little uh, thing right after the pay-per-view. Yeah. You say quick, and we still want an hour. Well, it's the Royal Rumble. What did you expect? This is true. Speaking of the Royal Rumble, tonight's episode of SmackDown opens with the Royal Rumble winner. Spoiler alert, it's Shinsuke. I mean, think about it. An hour is just one-sixth of uh, what the actual, or once, yeah, one-sixth of what the pay-per-view actually was. Yes, we did 17% of the real show. Anywho, (laughs) 
So Shinsuke starts us off and talks about the three people that he eliminated, specifically mentioning both John Cena and Roman Reigns, as well as Sami Zayn. Hilariously, Cena and Reigns both get booed when their names are mentioned and then get cheered when Shinsuke mentions knees to faces. Well, of course. Although technically, in Roman's case, it wasn't so much a knee as a dropkick. Regardless... Shinsuke then closes off his particular portion with a come WrestleMania, AJ Styles, knee to face, new WWE champion. Mm-hmm. He is then interrupted by the best friends that have ever been, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, as they talk about the fact that they were screwed out of their title match at the Royal Rumble. Like I said, if you want more information about what went down at the Rumble, feel free to listen to mine and Brandon's recap, or you can check out the recap from the W2M boys over on W2Mnet.com as well. Eventually, after Sammy and Kevin run down Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles comes out. Styles and Nakamura challenge Sammy and Kevin to a tag team match. Sammy and Kevin respectfully decline Styles and Nakamura proceed to attempt to beat their backsides until Sam and Kevin walk away from the ring. Needless to say, post-commercial break, tag match player. Holla holla. Yeah. Interesting twist for that tag team match, though. We'll get to that in a bit. Actually, you know what it is? The very first thing before we come back to or towards the number one contendership match. So let's discuss it as well. In addition to them having to be teammates tonight, Brandon, mm-hmm. next week in the main event of SmackDown Live, it will be Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. And the winner of that singles contest goes on to take a- on a- uh, AJ Styles for the SmackDown Live Heavyweight Championship at Fastlane. Your thoughts on both the opening segment as well as the announcement of Sami versus Kevin next week on SmackDown. I mean, the opening segment is, you know, was a good, um, you know, recap of what happened at Royal Rumble, both in terms of the actual Rumble match and uh, Sammy and Kevin versus AJ. Um, And a good indication of hopefully what we'll get moving forward on the road to WrestleMania in terms of AJ versus uh, Shinsuke, where... Hopefully they don't do the prototypical WWE heel versus face alignment type thing. And instead it's just a good old fashioned, uh, both guys respect each other, you know, but they're just, you know, they're focused on the title. There is no underhanded tactics or anything like that. Um, it's, it's Hogan versus warrior for the 21st century. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of the whole thing with uh, them getting a uh, getting that title match or the number one contendership, uh, we saw, well, we'll talk about it later, what happened in the main event. But this more than likely is the beginning of the end. I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm actually going to say next week's uh, singles match goes to a no contest and we get a straight up triple threat at Fastlane. See, I was thinking if they were smart and they wanted to keep uh, Sammy and Kevin together, they could have done kind of, you know, not so much a finger poke of doom type situation, but like, you know, either they purposely get double counted out or like they both pin each other and have, you know, both all four shoulders down. Um, 
and then that creates all a bunch of confusion, which results in a triple threat. Um, but we'll see how they go moving forward. I have a feeling I know where they're going with this, but we'll see. Our opening contest scheduled for one full. One full. Dropping the ball, Bisco Bing. Is, I, the, US, is the U.S. title number one contender match as Kofi Kingston, Zack Ryder, Jinder Mahal, and Rusev Day all square off? This match goes to a commercial break. I must admit, I don't pay attention to the commercial breaks. Those are my time. <laughs> However, the big thing to talk about as not only is Rusev the number one contender towards the United States title, he is the number one contender via clean submission by Kofi Kingston to the accolade. This feels like the first time in forever that somebody's tapped to the accolade. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on the fact that it would be a very happy Rusev day as the U.S. title is on the line next week between Bobby Roode and Rusev? I mean, personally, I am shocked because as soon as all this stuff started, um, granted, you know, Rusev Day, not as much as certain other people in groups, but I I very much feel like Rusev Day, while yes, they created on their own and everything, it's very much a fan-manufactured group and a fan-manufactured push, which I am shocked that uh, Vince actually pulled the trigger. I was not expecting this. I was expecting them to get buried for a while, just basically as a middle finger to the fans for trying to you know, impose their will on him. I like Rusev and Bobby Roode. Unfortunately, I don't think you can take the title off of Roode yet. No. Especially not if you want to especially not if you want to hurt any credibility that Roode may have garnered by winning this US title tournament. Now, what I mean by that, hold on, let me okay. finish real quick. What I mean by that is that Bobby Roode hasn't really done anything of note since he's debuted in the WWE the Tuesday after SummerSlam. Agree. This U.S. title run that he's on right now is his first real big opportunity to do something over on SmackDown outside of the feud that he had with Dolph Ziggler. And let's be honest, a feud with Dolph Ziggler isn't exactly what anybody was anticipating for Bobby Roode. Therefore, this U.S. title reign is going to be a major indicator as to what is going to be the game plan for Bobby Roode over on SmackDown. And having him lose the title a week Two weeks, well, technically it'll be three come next week, but having him lose the U.S. title three weeks into his run, as much as I might want to see it on Rusev, would do nothing but a disservice to Bobby Roode. Completely agree with that, as it did with Baron Corbin. Um, But the thing about this, which, you know, and especially with what you were talking about with getting Bobby Roode more credibility... I wish they wouldn't have gone this route so quickly. They they started out, you know, first week that he has the title. Um, well, not well, yeah, for well, second week that he has the title. Um, they do an open challenge on the pre-show of the Royal Rumble. They should have stuck with that at least for a few more weeks, maybe even mm-hmm. including all four of these guys as challengers 
before moving on to a more definitive uh, challenger for Fastlane and subsequently WrestleMania. I'm going to disagree with that because we've already seen the U.S. title open challenge and the IC title open challenge being used as a regular plot point on both Raw and SmackDown here. I'm okay with management making the title contendership match here. I agree with that, but especially with the way Bobby is and, you know, he could have made that uh, that presentation of the, of the open challenge um, very, shall I say, glorious. Um, it it would have given him some more credibility just in the sense of him, you know, beating some legitimate contenders before he moves on to a full feud. I, I guess I kind of get that. But at the same time, like I said, though, we've been seeing the U.S. title open challenge with the IC title open challenge off and on for WWE television for the better part of two years now. I think they kind of that. I think they've kind of run their course. We get a quick backstage segment with the Usos hyping the fact that they're going to be in the ring next after a backstage segment with the fashion police mentioning that the top 10 superstars on SmackDown Live numbers one through nine are all the fashion police. Number 10 is the Ascension. So apparently the Ascension is finally growing on the fashion police. Where that leads us is to a tag team match a little bit later on in the show as Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable try to get some of their momentum back after getting shut down to nothing at the Royal Rumble. We'll talk about that match in a moment. Hey, Brandon. Yeah. You know how when we reviewed the pay-per-view and we were talking about where do the Usos go from here and we both kind of agreed that it has to be the uh, Bludgeon Brothers? Uh Uh-huh. Hey, what do you know? Yep. Usos cut another promo talking about how they have the tag team division locked down and each particular team that they mention gets a jail slam, a jail door slammed shut as they mentioned them, which I thought was kind of hokey, but the fitting well, of the game. I mean, they, tonight seemed to be the night of SmackDown um, starting these, uh, these Chirons on the screen in the middle of uh, either promos or entrances, because if you noticed in the beginning of the night, they had it say Rockstar on the screen uh, when Shinsuke came out. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about them. I'm not sure how I feel about it either, but it looks like both Raw and SmackDown are going down the path of new presentation models uh, for the upcoming year because Raw changed their whole Chiron uh, and um, and logo scheme last night as well. Interesting fact. I always thought it was pronounced Chiron. I always pronounce it Chiron, but you know, I may be wrong. If you know what the correct answer is, by all means, feel free to correct us. Let us know over on the Facebook group by if searching. If I remember what? correctly by my TV professor, it was Chiron. Where can they find this on Facebook to answer that question, Brandon? Uh, Wrestling to the Max dot uh, on Facebook. There you go. By searching for the Wrestling to the Max group on Facebook. With the number two, not T-O. Technically, both would work. Oh, okay. But it is the number two, not the, the word. Anyway. So the Usos talk about the fact that they've beaten everybody in the WWE so far, and they're the that they're not trying to say that they're the best tag team in the WWE, but they are the best tag team in the WWE. As they are getting ready to exit the ring, it is Harper and Rowan 
who come out getting ready for a squash match. Let's call it what it is. It is a squash. And they immediately cut off the Usos. And the Usos, to their credit, don't back down from Harper and Rowan, but don't exactly try to engage them either, which is probably smart. Mm-hmm. This feels like your SmackDown tag team title match for Fastlane, does it not? Oh, definitely. If not even moving forward from there, because, you know, besides Bludgeon Brothers, who else is really a viable contender for the SmackDown tag team titles right now? As previously mentioned, it is a squash match for the Bludgeon Brothers. They take on two opponents who are not named, although. Larry's review tells me that one of them was Rory Gulak. I did not recognize him, but good for him. Those of you who don't know, Rory is the baby brother of 205 Live's Drew Gulak. The tea gimmick, kind of, finishes one of the squash matches at two minutes-ish. Like I said, we talked about this at the Rumble show. We both agreed that it. Lo- we both thought that the Bludgeon Brothers would be next, and sure enough. Mm-hmm. Backstage segment as Shane McMahon is interrupt has a phone call interrupted. Which, by the way, what is with every man- member of WWE management having to be on a phone in every segment? They're busy people. They've got lots of calls. He's interrupted by Ty Dillinger, who wants revenge against Sami Zayn, based on the fact that Sami and Kevin jumped him at the Rumble and took his spot. Baron Corbin comes in and bitches about the new top 10 list. Dillinger tries to say something. Corbin interrupts him by saying, you're still here. Dillinger snaps back with yes, unlike your money in the bank briefcase. They exchange words. Shane makes a match for later. Yahoo. Mm -hmm. Are we going to talk about this whole new top 10 thing at all? We can do that at the end of the show. Okay. Let's just get through the review first. Okay. Promo time for Charlotte as she comes out to talk about the fact that she was sit- excuse me. She was sitting at ringside while history was made during the Women's Rumble and then at the end of the match she shared the ring with the Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss, the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble Oscar and the debuting Ronda Rousey throwing Ronda's name out there without actually having her appear. Um, to me, it seems blatantly obvious it's Oscar Alexa, unless Sasha takes the Raw Women's title on the road to WrestleMania, and Charlotte and Rousey for the SmackDown belt, right? Unless the other rumor is to be, be believed, and then I don't know who Charlotte's facing. Well, the other rumor that you're referring to is the mixed tag match, correct? Yeah. I don't know if that'll happen because I don't know if uh, you know who will be able to. Well, no, I saw another one today saying that if Rock wasn't available, Kurt. that it would become Ronda and Strowman versus Stephanie and Triple H to continue that whole feud between Strowman and Triple H from Survivor Series. See, I'd almost rather see Strowman and Triple H one on one. I agree with this. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see how this thing, how, how this whole thing goes. Um, Back to the Charlotte situation, however, she is interrupted by the Riot Squad. Ruby comes down and basically says what every internet fan thinks about Charlotte. Let's be honest, it is what it is. Stating that she's trying to make her name off of her father's legacy. It almost feels like everybody that faces Charlotte uses this same shtick, Brandon. Well, yeah, because it's what works. I mean, that's the only thing, I mean, part of this is, I mean, 
I'm not going to completely blame Charlotte for this, but part of this is because Charlotte just completely focuses on it. And I think, but I think the majority of the reasoning for this is the booking. I mean, especially on the main roster, instead of it just being Charlotte, they switched it to Charlotte Flair. Most people lose a last name in, in, uh, on the main roster coming up from NXT for Charlotte. She gained one, um, gained lost and then regained. Yep. Precisely. Um, but you know, especially with that, it really has been while not as much as it was when she first came up from NXT because he was actually in her corner and everything, but you know, she has, very much become, you know, she's just, her main gimmick is that she's Flair's daughter. She doesn't really have much of a personality to herself. The Riot Squad attacks and Charlotte fights them off one on three. I'm going to let that sit in for a few seconds because that's how much it pissed me off. Until she gets being down again. Yeah, but the very first time, she clears the ring by herself. Yeah. I don't like that. Anyway, the Riot Squad does come back and eventually stands tall, because apparently Charlotte has no friends. Despite the fact... That part I didn't get at all. Like, I know it annoyed you about how she beat off all three of them, Um, but, you know, that, it's... While it's not realistic in any sense of the imagination, that's something as a wrestling fan you've kind of come to expect where the face always is able to, you know, outsmart or outfight, you know, the the heel faction. But once she was being down, I was absolutely expecting either Becky's or Naomi's or, I mean, I know she wasn't around, but this would have been a great surprise um, if they would have been able to pull it off, have Rousey's music hit and have her come to help. Um, you know, um, just anyone would have uh, would have helped. Anywho, the person who does come down to the ring after the Riot Squad delivers a three-on-one attack to Charlotte is the Women's Money in the Bank briefcase hoarder, Carmella. Huh, she does still have that thing. Who knew? I was shocked that they actually uh, acknowledged the fact that she still had. I was, uh, I half expected them to just run through until July and completely forget about it and be like, "Oh, she still has that." Oh, we completely forgot. Oops, our bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Anyway, what happens is Carmella goes to cash in, and when she goes to drop kick Charlotte as Charlotte's getting up, Charlotte moves, and Carmella ends up drop kicking the referee in the ass. You take that bump, referee. Well done. Anywho, the referee goes to the out to the ringside area, and by the time the referee starts to come back to, Charlotte is ready to go, and Carmella decides that discretion is the better part of Valor on this particular instance, grabs her briefcase, and walks away. Hey, Coming- he's not completely dumb like Corbin. Coming back from a commercial break, Renee Young gets a word with Carmella and says that she only did what she did in order to send a message to Charlotte that she's still there and she still has her briefcase and that she's still going to be and she still has the opportunity to strike whenever the moment presents itself. Renee then appears to cut the interview really short. And if I were Carmella, I'd have been really pissy about that. 
Yeah. Did that interview come off really, uh, really ended very uh, suddenly? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, they still had three matches to work into the night show and less than an hour to do so. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. This is what happens when you only have two matches inside of the first hour and one of them is a 60 second squash. Mm-hmm. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura meet backstage. They discuss the strategy. AJ's Shinsuke keeps repeating the fact that he's going to beat Styles at WrestleMania, knee to face, which, by the way, apparently there was a punk shirt that said knees to faces, so that's why Shinsuke hasn't gotten one. Mm. And AJ thinks that Shinsuke's messing with him, and Shinsuke kind of half-heartedly says that he is. Dun-dun-dun! Dramatic reverb. Baron Corbin and Ty Dillinger go about seven minutes with a commercial break, and frankly, I couldn't care enough to tell you exactly how it went. (laughs) In all seriousness, though, um, kind of a nothing match just thrown onto the card to fill some time here. Corbin picks up the win with the end of days, like I said, in about seven minutes. Yeah, I mean... The only, I I wasn't really expecting all that much from this match. The only thing that I was kind of curious about going into this match was um, I was half expecting it to be one of those Baron Corbin, you know, them making him look out, making him look to be an idiot by, you know, Dillinger catching him on a roll-up or something or catching him off guard and managing the win, but that did not happen. Bobby Roode and Rusev cut promos about their U.S. title match next week. I got to tell you, between that match next week and the the number one contendership match, I'm looking forward to next week's episode of SmackDown. Yeah, next week should be a good one. Let's talk about something that wasn't so great, and that is the tag team match between Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable against the Fashion Police. Benjamin and Gable pick up the win as... Benjamin pins Fandango following the hooking power. Actually, it might have been Breeze following the hooking power bomb Larry combination. Yeah. This was a match that happened. There isn't really a whole lot to say about it, right? Mm, not really. Yeah. I mean, did anyone really expect anything other than what happened? <laughs> Three and a half minutes in order to get Shelton and Chad some of their heat back after going down in two straight falls at the Royal Rumble. But let's be honest here. I don't think that the fashion police have been developed as of enough of a threat for people to take them seriously enough for Benjamin and Gable to get their heat back with a win over them. No, absolutely not. Our main event is the aforementioned AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match. I dislike this match for one particular reason. It was already announced that Sami Zayn was going to be competing in the Mixed Match Challenge match later in the evening. It seems kind of counterintuitive to put him in a match right before that. Well, I think that's a big portion as to why they went. I mean, yes. The other reason in terms of storyline is for them to enhance this whole concept of the friction between the two. But the big reason for why Zayn was hardly in the match at all was because he was about to be in the mixed match challenge just 15 minutes later. Your finish sees Shinsuke get the pin on Kevin Owens with... Kinshasa! 
Kinshasa! I have been told that there are people who dislike my call for that. Frankly, I don't care. <laughs> Anywho, and that's your official wrap for this week's episode of Tuesday Night Smackdown Live. We're, we're not going to talk about whether you whether or not you think uh, KO and Sammy are completely done. We we kind of talked about that earlier when we mentioned the fact that they made the number one contenders match and we talked about how we thought the match was going to go next week. That's true, but that was the big storyline in this whole match was Sammy. Sammy cuts an inter- Sammy cuts an interview backstage right before we go off air and mentions the fact that this isn't them breaking up here. He just hopes that Kevin can take it when the better man wins next week, and that better man would be him himself, referring to Sammy. I I get that, but I have a feeling with the way they handled this, uh, and I mean this, I mean. The rumors that I've seen also play a factor in this, but I have a feeling that we will finally, and it'll be interesting to see how he handles this, we will finally see a KO face turn. Because I think Sammy is going to be the one that turns on Kevin. I feel like Sammy's done such a good job in his heel role here that I'd be okay with that, though. All right, so let's go ahead and discuss the SmackDown Top 10 concept that Daniel Bryan brought up earlier since you wanted to talk about it here. Right. By all means, floor's yours. I mean, I like the concept. It sounds like an interesting concept, especially, you know, considering all the Top 10 lists that you see nowadays uh, around the Internet and everything. The only thing that I would change a little bit, and I understand, I get the reason why they didn't do this because you know obviously they wouldn't want um especially vince wouldn't want them you know wouldn't want fans basically trying to hijack the show but um i would have liked to have seen at least a little bit of a fan input in this instead of it just being you know oh the you know the wrestlers are voting on who they think should get a push but they can't vote for themselves um so they're basically just going to vote for their friends, or at least that's what I would do if I were them. Um, we'll see how this goes, see what comes of it, but I don't really know if anything huge will come from it. You know what I want them to do if they're going to do this? They need to reveal the votes every week, every week that they do the poll. Yeah, that would be that would be a good idea. And that way you can see who these people are voting for. And if you want to, you can spin their votes into storylines. Exactly. Like, yo, why'd you only have me fourth and behind this dude, this dude, and that dude? Really? What the hell? <laughs> if you're going to do something like this, obviously it's going to turn into something of a popularity contest. Exactly. But my question would be, would this be done in terms of, would this be done in terms of a shoot? Or would this be done in terms of, a, like, would they kayfabe it? I would assume, considering it's within SmackDown, I would assume it's on a KFAB level. Um, but I'm, I, you know, we haven't seen anything yet, so we'll see how it goes. I would have liked, even if they didn't want to, you know, completely have it, you know, completely up to the fans, I would have at least liked maybe, you know, them to do a fan top 10 too, just to see how theirs aligns with what the fans are thinking. 
So basically what you're saying is you want the human element involved. Yes. And basically make it kind of like, um, I forget which all-star game it is, but where it's partially based on fan votes, but also, but also partially based on, you know, the players and the managers. Baseballs. I think it is baseball. Baseball, the fans select the starters, the manager of the team selects the bench. Yes. So I would have liked to have done that to an extent where it's basically kind of combining the two of, you know, if if the fans are voting for someone heavily to be at number one, but, you know, management and, you know, the company don't want them quite that high, maybe, you know, that fan vote pushes them up from, like, you know, let's say 10 up to, like, five or six you know so it it could help certain guys get over a little bit more within the company um and give the fans more of a feeling that they're involved while also still allowing the company more leeway to do what they originally wanted to do We'll see where they end up going with this. I think it has potential, and we've seen other companies use this top 10 formula before. WCW used to use it. I think Impact Wrestling used to use it as well. So, I mean, it, it's not like that the uh, there aren't possibilities to come out of this here. However, yeah. it will all depend on execution. Exactly. But, I mean, with, with the way they've been trying to build up uh, SmackDown as the land of opportunity... I would hope that they would do this right. I'm not going to knock it until we see what they do yeah. with it. But at the same time, I'm going to sell you guys right now. My expectation levels for this are not high. No. And with that being said, I think it's time to put a nice shiny little bow on this episode. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. All right, let's do it. What's your overall show rating scale of one to 10 for tonight's episode of SmackDown, Brandon? Um, I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, you know, it was a solid SmackDown. Um, you know, I was surprised on the whole Rusev thing. You know, the the middle of the show was kind of meh because it was basically uh, two squash matches. Um, and then the main event was interesting, especially leading into what's going down next week. Um, and it definitely is something to build upon for next week. I think your rating for the show is a little bit too high. Personally, I'm somewhere around a five and a half or a six. This felt to me like a very skippable episode of SmackDown. The best parts about it to me were the setup that they did for next week's episode, as well as the setup that they did in order to put things into motion going forward to both the Fastlane pay-per-view as well as the WrestleMania pay-per-view itself here. Not one of the blue band, not one of the blue brand's better efforts recently, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, but that's kind of what you expected going into this. You expected this to be, you know, basically them talking about what happened on Royal Rumble and beginning a, a build towards Fastlane and, and Mania. All well and good, but Raw had the same expectations for their episode last night, and I think they did a way better job than SmackDown did this week. But me, it's a lot, it, at least for me, it's a lot easier to build towards a more, uh, a more distinctive pay-per-view-like Elimination Chamber 
than it is to build towards a you know off-brand pay-per-view where you don't really know what they're going to do with it. Granted, the Elimination Chambers matches kind of sell themselves. I'll agree with that. But at the same time, you still need to keep people entertained in your build to Fastlane here. I think they did some good steps in setting the groundwork for what Fastlane will become. But by and large, this is a very skippable episode of SmackDown tonight. Fair enough. Unless you're a fan of Rusev Day, which I highly recommend watching the four-way to see Rusev actually pick up a win with the accolade for the first time in what feels like forever. Mm-hmm. After all, Brandon, it is Rusev Day. Mm-hmm. So my one-word review for tonight's episode of SmackDown is actually going to be the one that I just mentioned. Skippable. Hmm. Uh, How about you? What's your one-word review for tonight's episode? My one-word review for tonight, I'm going to say solid. It, you know, you mentioned all the negative aspects of this, which I agree with you to an extent. But, you know, especially for what they're building towards, it was it was a solid beginning to the to the build towards both Fastlane and Mania. And, you know, the the main event left you with anticipation because you're not sure what's going to happen with uh, Cammy, And, you know, that's going to be something over whether it's just into next week or the next couple of weeks, which will be a fun thing to look forward to on SmackDown. Now, there are definitely a number of different stories that can be told coming out of this episode of SmackDown. That being said, this particular episode just didn't tell many itself. Yes. So, for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, my co-host, Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown live review here on any number of platforms, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, CastBox, um, we're trying to get on iHeartRadio. I'm not sure how that's coming along, but by all means, make sure you look us up more lo- online for more information in regards to the worlds of wrestling, football, entertainment, video games, and so much more by visiting us online at w2mnet.com. Before we get out of here, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and plug what we have planned for tomorrow on the kickoff? Yeah, tomorrow on the kickoff, we will be talking about the championship games and then doing our big Super Bowl preview talking about Patriots versus Eagles and what to expect in that game Uh, and be sure to check all of that out tomorrow night the man in my headphones tells me that we are actually are on iHeartRadio so good for us search for wrestling to the max on iHeartRadio sweet woohoo yay So, for Sean Garmer and Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next Tuesday with SmackDown Live here on the Wrestling to the Max Network. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. This is New York firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Every day, a part of every sub you buy at Firehouse Subs helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. And now, for a limited time, they're introducing the Daily Sub Special. Every day, get a medium sub of the day for just $5.55. 
They kick it off with meatball Monday and finish it off with Italian Sunday with something delicious every day in between for just $5.55. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Tap the banner now to learn more.